0: As a Christian, do you set aside your Sundays as a Sabbath? Is that something God has commanded us to do? Is it something that He desires we do? Let's dive into it. Well, welcome back to Unshakable. It is great to have you guys with us once again. Today we are talking about keeping the Sabbath. And just to clarify before we get started, we're not talking about keeping the Sabbath in a Jewish sense. We're talking about something known as Christian Sabbatarianism. Now, what does that mean? It just means that there are certain people out there that are, uh, they are professing Christians and they hold to the essential historic doctrines of the Christian faith But then they also want to add in observing the Sabbath out of a desire to what they would say is to keep all 10 of the commandments. So they will turn one day of the week, some of them on Saturday, some of them on Sunday. They will turn one day of the week into a day where they do nothing but worship and rest and nothing else is allowed. No work, no business, no entertainment whatsoever. Now, there are a number of denominations out there that do this, the most well-known being Seventh-day Adventists, which uh, is not a small group. There are about 22 million people worldwide. And then there's other groups. Things, uh, there's a group called the Church of God. There are some uh, Pentecostal denominations that hold to the Sabbath, and then some other sort of fringy groups. And here's what they would say to you and I. They would say, look, keeping the Sabbath is a moral responsibility that comes out of God's eternal law. So they would look at you and I and say, well, look, you guys acknowledge commandments one through three and five through ten. So why are you skipping number four? And the standard Christian response to that is, well, nine of the ten commandments are restated or in some way reinforced in the New Testament. But Sabbath keeping is not. And that's true. And it's a good response. But there's actually more to it going on that I want to talk about here today. So let's start, first of all, let's go back in history just a bit and talk about some of the key principles of the Sabbath so we know exactly what we're talking about. So the first thing you should know is that while the principle of the Sabbath goes back to the very beginning, back to creation, uh, as modeled by God Himself in Genesis 2, the command to observe the Sabbath was never required of any of the Hebrew uh, patriarchs, not Abraham, not Isaac. Not Jacob, not Joseph, and that may be a surprise to you. The very first observance of the Sabbath comes under the leadership of Moses in Exodus 16. And it's connected with the Jews being out in the wilderness and God providing them with supernatural bread, what we call manna. This is a very important passage, so let's take a look at it. Okay, so the Jews are wandering in the wilderness and God is providing for them. And here's what the text says. Now on the sixth day... They, the the Israelites, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day there will be none. Okay, so in other words, on that seventh day, God was not going to provide them with fresh bread. Six days, yes, but not on the seventh. The text continues, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day, so the people rested on the seventh day. And so that passage comes out of Exodus 16, and then just four chapters later in Exodus 20, keeping the Sabbath shows up as commandment number four in the Ten Commandments. And from that point forward, faithful Jews have been adapting that weekly cycle right up until today. When sundown comes on Friday, they cease all their labors until nightfall on Saturday, and that is the typical Jewish Sabbath. Now the question for us is, why have we as Christians not continued to do this? If it is part of God's eternal moral law, shouldn't we be doing this? But that is the key to this whole thing. Is it is keeping the Sabbath a part of God's eternal moral law, or is it something else? See, when you look at God's law in the Old Testament, there are clearly some universal ordinances that are rooted in the holy and just nature of God and therefore are unchanging. But there's other things in the law. For example, there are certain civil laws that appear to be given to Israel, ancient Israel, to govern their society. And then there's other parts of the law that you look at and you say those are ceremonial in nature. And when I use that term ceremonial, here's some examples of what I'm talking about. Uh, Most of us are aware of all the festivals and the feasts that God gave to Israel uh, and told them to have these events in order to remember His his goodness and His grace in their lives. That's one example. Uh, Another are the regulations that were given to Israel that would set them apart from their pagan neighbors. Things like dietary laws and clothing restrictions. Then there were the various sacrifices and ceremonies related to uncleanness. And lastly, there were the specific signs, and that's a very important word. Signs given to the Israelites which identified them as belonging to Yahweh. Signs that actually many of them pointed forward to the coming of Messiah. So we're talking about circumcision, for example. We're talking about the Passover. And yes, I would include in that the Sabbath. And this truth actually comes out very explicitly later on in Israel's history when God speaks through His prophet Ezekiel, And God says very clearly what the purpose of the giving of the sign of the Sabbath was. Let's look at this important passage. God says through Ezekiel, I took them, that is my people, out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. We just talked about that. I gave them my statutes and informed them of my ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he will live. Also, keyword, also I gave them my Sabbath to be what? be a sign between me and them. And for what purpose? That they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So as we see in that passage, it appears that the Sabbath was categorized differently than the statutes and the ordinances of the Torah. So it is really not a part of the moral law that was given to universal mankind and is therefore unchanging. And, And again, how could it be? As I said earlier, not even the Hebrew patriarchs were required to observe the Sabbath. Nobody did, up until the time of Moses. So, what that passage tells us is that the Sabbath was given specifically to the ancient Hebrews beginning in that wilderness generation as a sign to remind them of God's goodness in bringing them out of the land of Egypt and then sustaining them during that time. And, of course, that's why, because it was given specifically at that time to the ancient Hebrews, that makes sense why it isn't going to show up again in the New Testament. So that's the first thing to know. The Sabbath was originally given to the ancient Hebrews as a sign, as part of the ceremonial nature of the law. The second thing we need to look at, to factor into this discussion, is how how did Jesus approach the Sabbath? Now, if you're a reader of the Gospels, you know that so many conflicts happened in the life of Jesus on the Sabbath day, including times when He healed people. He was always clashing with the religious establishment because he was doing things on the Sabbath. The sad reality is this. 1,500 years after the time of Moses, after that wilderness generation, the Sabbath had become something of an idol in Israel. And for the religious establishment, it was a means of controlling the people. Rather than being a a healthy remembrance of God's faithfulness and grace in their lives, it had grown to become a spiritual burden. The scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of that day went far beyond what God had established in terms of the Sabbath being this day of rest and remembrance. And they added all kinds of regulations and traditions onto it. And so that's the reason why time and time again we see Jesus challenging those traditions. In fact, he makes this amazing claim in Mark chapter 2. He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, religious leaders had it completely backwards and then jesus made this amazing claim he claimed to be the lord of the sabbath and of course we know that that was a messianic claim in and of itself but more importantly for our purposes today it set the stage for an upcoming change a passing away a fulfillment of the sabbath principle and because jesus was god in the flesh and lord over the sabbath he had every right to say that a change was coming, just as he was, had every right and was able to say that the temple was passing away, and that the animal sacrifices were passing away because they too would be fulfilled in him. So let's step back for a second. First of all, we have seen that the Sabbath was given to ancient Israel as a ceremonial sign. And then secondly, we have just noted that Jesus was about to fulfill it and cause the principle to pass away. Now, let's take a look at the New Testament. What does it say about the Sabbath and what doesn't it say? And let me start by pointing to our friends in the Seventh-day Adventists, first and foremost. The Adventists are famous for saying, for claiming that uh, Emperor Constantine corrupted the church back in the fourth century when he, quote, changed the Christian Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. But that is a false statement. Now, why do I say that's false? Because the question itself presumes that the early church was observing a Saturday Sabbath up until the year some around 325, and that then Constantine stepped in and changed it to Sunday. Here's the problem there is no evidence that the church ever observed a Sabbath. And there's a good reason for that, because nowhere in the New Testament will you see an instruction for Christ's followers to do so. Nowhere, for example, do you see the Apostle Paul going to his Jewish brothers who've come to faith in Christ and saying to them, well, this is great that you've come and you, you believe in Jesus now, but as a Jew, you need to keep observing the Sabbath. He doesn't do that. Nor does he impose this Sabbath-keeping principle upon his brand new Gentile converts. So, Paul is not interested at all in putting people under the Sabbath principle. And then there's the case of the Council of Jerusalem, which is very interesting based on what they don't talk about. Now, at that very important council, which you can read about in Acts chapter 15, the earliest of the Church Fathers gathered together to try to discuss this issue of, well, do we impose the Jewish law on all these Gentiles from all over the ancient world who are coming to saving faith in Christ? And so the main part of the discussion was about circumcision. Do we demand that the Gentile converts come and adopt the sign of the covenant through circumcision? And they decide not. And they talk about whether uh, the Gentiles need to come under the Mosaic law, and they decide not. But what's not discussed at all is Sabbath keeping. It's not even mentioned anywhere in the text of Acts chapter 15. If there was ever a time for God to make it clear that Sabbath keeping still belonged to the church and was an obligation, that was the moment to do it. Now, let's ask the question Are there any passages in the New Testament that give us instructions about how we should handle special days like the Sabbath? Yes, there is. In fact, I want to look at this passage briefly in Colossians chapter 2. Paul says this, No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or what? A Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now what a remarkable thing for a man like Paul to say, a man who was known in his past life as being a strict observer of the law. Catch this now because it's very important to see. Paul lumps the Sabbath together with things like food laws and festivals and holidays, okay? Again, that's remarkable for a man with his background. But he says, look, don't allow people to judge you as to whether you participate in those things or not. Why? Well, not just because Paul's being arbitrary here. He says, look, those things were shadows from the past, but they all were pointing forward to something far greater Pointing to the coming of Christ and being fulfilled in Him, and earlier Jesus had alluded to this. Look at this passage from Matthew chapter eleven. Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." So, in Jesus, something far greater than the Sabbath had arrived. In fact, what we gather from this and other texts is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And this is amazing, even beyond that, if you read through Hebrews chapter 4, you will find that the Sabbath day given to Israel was always designed to point us even further into the future, to the day when we and all of creation will finally enter into the rest that was patterned for us by God way back in Genesis chapter 2. And that means the ultimate Sabbath rest is coming, an eternal rest, when all believers, both Jew and Gentile, will finally enter into the kingdom of God in all of its fullness, and we will enjoy work without toil, hearts without sin, and an earth without thorns. That's the ultimate Sabbath rest. And here's a really cool part about that. You and I who have believed, by faith, we have already entered into that rest, in part. Because remarkably, Hebrews 4.3 declares this to be true. It says, we who have believed enter, present tense, enter that rest. Which means there is an already not yet aspect to this. And how exactly does that play out? Well, obviously, the fullness of our rest remains to be seen. It's coming in the future. But even today, we can say that we have entered that rest by putting our faith in Christ and being found in Him. And we can talk about the Sabbath in the sense that we have ceased from our labors in trying to earn God's favor or trying to earn God's acceptance by our good works. Okay, last piece of the puzzle. Let's talk about Sundays. Uh, let's start here. First of all, no New Testament writer ever referred to Sunday as a Sabbath day. You're just not going to find that in the Bible anywhere. But having said that, Sundays were very, very important to the early church. We know that both from Scripture and from church history. Sundays were often referred to as the first day of the week, and then later on referred to as the Lord's Day, but never as a Sabbath. The church's common practice from the book of Acts on was to gather on what they called the first day of the week, because that was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And then later in the book of Revelation, we see John as he was receiving this vision from God, He talks about being present in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and it was sort of that term, the Lord's Day, that stuck most firmly with the early church. So let's ask the question, does the New Testament ever take Sabbath principles of ceasing from labor and apply it to Christians on the Lord's Day? And the answer is no, you're not going to find that. In fact, you're not going to find Christians anywhere in the Bible resting on the Lord's Day. Quite the opposite. What you see is them worshiping together, and fellowshipping together, and breaking bread together, not resting. This is The Lord's Day in the Bible is about a joyful time of celebration together. It's not about physical rest. And just to reinforce that, the same is true in early church history. Nowhere after the time of the apostles do you see the early church fathers uh, exhorting the church to go back to Sabbath observances. You just don't see that. And, Trust me, if they had, that would show up in the historical record. But instead, you have many comments from church fathers, including the early church father, Ignatius, writing, I don't know, somewhere after the death of John around the year 110. And here's what he has to say in his writings about his hope for believing Jews. He says he wants them to come to the possession of a new hope, no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day on which our life has sprung up again by him and by his death. So you see there a very sharp distinction right after the death of the apostles between the Sabbath and the celebration of the Lord's day. And there are many other statements that we could point to from other revered church fathers like Justin Martyr and Tertullian and Augustine who uh, advise against the idea of a Christian Sabbath. And One church father in particular from the fourth century, John Chrysostom, his position was that if any Christian went back to observing the Sabbath, quote, they would be overthrowing the gospel. All right, so to wrap up, should you and I as Christians be observing the Sabbath? In the most obvious sense, the answer is no. We are not bound to the ceremonial law of ancient Israel, and there is nothing in the New Testament that binds us to a pattern of ceasing from our labor either on a Saturday or on a Sunday. We're not told anywhere in the Bible that there are certain activities that we have to avoid or recreation that we can't engage in on Sundays. And contrary to what some people claim, and I know this might be hard for some of you because this is one of those church traditions that has sort of seeped into many of our lives, the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to give our entire Sundays over to worship and nothing else. It's just not anywhere in the Bible. Now here's my caveat to that. You might decide that's exactly what I want to do, Jeff. I want to set aside my Sunday for nothing but worship and rest. And that's wonderful. If if you choose to do that, you have that freedom. You might look at your situation or your family's life and say, you know what? We want to build that discipline into our weekly calendar to set aside Sunday and make it very important and worship and rest. If you do that, I think that's a wonderful conviction. But if you do, make sure you remember what Paul teaches in Romans 14. Let's take a look at it. Paul writes, One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. So we develop convictions about these these things, and that's wonderful that Paul wants us to develop convictions. But make sure when you do that, that you don't lay that on other people, and you don't judge them, but you say, In my freedom, this is the best thing for me or my family. So let me close with this. In one sense, you and I as Christians, we do not observe the Jewish Sabbath. But in another sense, we should be keeping the Sabbath always. And what I mean by that is resting in the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And that is resting in Christ, resting in His sovereignty, resting in His goodness and His grace. So on every Lord's Day, on every Sunday, we come together as the Church, as the Body of Christ, and we come together weary and heavy laden. And we trace the fulfillment of that Old Testament Jewish Sabbath to its completion in Christ. And we look at the cross, and we look at the empty tomb, and we hear our Savior say, It is finished. And in that, we can rest. And on that note, let me just say thanks again for joining us here on Unshakable, make sure that you subscribe and hit the alarm bell so that you get notified when the next issue of church culture comes up until then guys cultivate faithfulness wherever god has planted you and love each other well see you soon